0: Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Again this week, I will be featuring conversation highlights from the 2017 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando. Here's what's in store. From the band for King & Country, Joel Smallbone stopped by to discuss a movie project that communicates the importance of showing women that they are valued. Then, actor T.C. Stallings, who visited with me about an upcoming film that deals with matters of faith and how that faith can be tested and sustained through difficulty. Plus, from Mission Network News, Ruth Kramer discussed an important development in Mission's mobile population groups, especially related to the Middle East. And on this edition of The Intersection, some encouragement for parents from two NRB guests, Mark Gregston of Heartlight Ministries and Parenting Today's Teens, bringing insight for parents as they seek to effectively navigate their challenges. Then you'll be hearing from Mark Hancock, who heads a character development and adventure organization for boys, Trail Life USA, reinforcing biblical ideals of masculinity. Also, you'll hear from Kay Horner of the Awakening America Alliance, part of the Freedom to Pray Consortium, offering information on how one particular cellular carrier is charging people who use conference calls in order to pray together. Finally in a conversation recorded prior to NRB, Nick Iker of World magazine and World News Group highlighted the types of content that world brings to its consumers. This is the intersection of production of the meeting house. I'm Bob Crittenden. Joel Smallbone and his brother Luke founded the band for King and Country. Not only have they worked together musically, but they have collaborated on the movie Priceless together and co-authored the book related to the film. Joel sat down with me at the 2017 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando and discussed some of the elements of the film in which he is a lead actor and commented on the central message of affirming the worth of women. Here now is Joel Smallbone.
1: We wanted to bring this story to the American shores in some ways. Um, so it was very deliberate and it was a bit of a hard task to sort of do something as simple as, you know, shake off my my native dialect. But he lost his wife as, in a tragic accident, as you mentioned, lost his job as a result. His daughter was taken from him by protective services. And he takes this job to drive this truck straight through a great distance across America, no questions asked, and um, for cash. He saw it. This is the opportunity to get his life back on track. And midway through, um, he finds out it's not what he's carrying, but who. He's got two sisters in the back of the truck. One of the things that's curious to me, of course, when you are dealing with any
0: sort of work, you have to have the research. This is a a film, one of the elements is human trafficking. Yeah. So this is obviously something that that you and your team have done quite a bit of research into, how it operates. People, if they see the film, obviously it will be dramatized for them, but it is just a a hideous operation. How did you gain the research for this?
1: Well... When Luke and I started out as a band, um, Luke had just gotten married and I met my now wife at his wedding. And uh, she was kind of a wedding crasher of sorts. So that it does happen. Like, yeah,
0: That sounds like a, a movie script.
1: I know. It should, well, maybe it will be. Oh, Who knows? Okay, stay tuned. But, but uh, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do, uh, we felt prompted to do, was share very briefly from stage about chivalry and about celebrating a woman's worth. That's, that's not my stomach, by the way. That's a blood. <laughs> that is, that is yep the That's horn. The
0: sh- yeah, that is the shofar. Yeah. Do you have a shofar on stage? My no, we don't have for, a shofar. King, king we country? need one.
1: Okay. Maybe there will be. All right. <laughs> but anyway, any rate, so, so we, we felt prompted to share about relationships, in essence, from stage because it was so keen on our hearts and minds. And one of the tangible things is we brought over these Australian one-cent coins, And we framed them, we made necklaces out of them, and we called it the Priceless Necklace. Wow. And uh, we've seen upwards of half a million men and women boys at at this point in the last five years grab one of these necklaces and rally around this cause. And it was really kind of, uh, that's when we went to our brother Ben and we said, hey man, we're excited, but we're almost alarmed at the response to this message. Um, What about about sort of taking this story and turning it into a film and his eyes lit up? And he recalled this documentary that he'd been a part of. And we pulled inspiration from that, Bob. And, and, and then we got on a load of, of phone calls with experts in the field. And i got to tell you, man, I just wept. Because as you said, wow. there, mm. there's, there's an underbelly to this, um, this slavery trafficking, which the film drops into for about 30, 45 minutes. That, that is a real hard reality. But we felt it was an important part of portraying these characters and the love story and the drama of the film.
0: Now the the main character at the beginning of the film is he a man of has he had a faith uh component in his life it, would you consider
1: him to be a safe person I wouldn't consider him to be safe I mean or anyone saved. anyone oh saved excuse me um the way we sort of we felt his backstory had gone. If you would notice in the film, he, he's, he's sort of loaded up with tattoos, and they're a bit eclectic. One is sort of a Celtic cross. One is a tree of life sort of thing. And and the implication was at some point before he'd sort of derailed after his wife's passing, he'd he he'd had a he'd had this conversion and the, and this faith. But it was really, you know he'd lost it and lost himself along the way and the beauty of it. And this is just the the thing I love about the strength of a woman. It's really in the film, the elder of the two sisters, Antonia, her strength and resolve in the face of really tragedy that brings, um, brings James, my character back to God, back to his senses and, 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 and takes him out of this sort of, almost narcissistic, self-loathing, pitiful state that he was in most of the film. So she's really, in many ways, the hero. Despite of what's done to her, despite of yeah. the tragedy she's in, she's really the hero. Wow. And so he does have a a, a faith experience. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, yeah. but
0: obviously that's,
1: that's where you're going with him. Well, he's, he, he's wrestling, you know. And it's the classic question when you, get into the, you start getting into the story is, if there's if there is a good God, how can these despicable awful, shameful manipulative things take place mm. how can you how can you lose someone that you love how 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 can tragedy strike you if if God is love and he had to, and he has to really unpack that in a sense, and it again is through seeing the strength and love of a woman um, and her connection to God that inspires. It, you know, is inspiring him in some ways to sort of turn the corner. Joel Smallbone
0: here on The Intersection. Learn more about the band by going to com. The film's website is pricelessthemovie.com. Well, this is The Intersection podcast with actor and author T.C. Stallings. He visited with me at NRB 2017 in Orlando. He discussed his forthcoming film, A Question of Faith, dealing with matters of faith and how that faith can be tested and sustained through difficulty. Here now is T.C. Stallings.
2: I play the role of uh, Cecil King, who is basically the right-hand man to the pastor, kind of his accountability uh, brother. And I'm the one that helps him when he questions his own faith. And this is a pastor, and this can happen in life where it's just a situation is even too tough to where even he needs someone to say, hey. Let's not question God on this one. And um, and so I just think that it shows that, that, that we're all human, that nobody is above struggling, nobody is above wondering what God is doing. And when you see this pastor really struggling with his own faith in the plan that God has, I think that just kind of just brings everybody down to earth like... Man, everybody could possibly struggle with this, and it'll be—it's going to be neat to see the way that he deals with it, and that'll serve as a lesson to others on how to deal with it. So, this basically is a film.
0: It sounds to me that is instructive, in a sense. It shows real people going through a real struggle, and it offers some Christ-centered direction. When, yeah. when people struggle with these issues in their lives, especially in these tough times they yeah. might go through. So very yeah. practical, obviously.
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you see there, there are some films that have the elements of, okay, here's God's plans for your life. Here's how to pursue it. You know, pray about it. Push through it. You know, you got that set of films. Then you got the set of films like this one that's trying to say, okay, here is a tough time in life. Here is when things are kind of punching you down a little bit. Here's when things are beating you down a little bit. You also want a lot of a lot of uh, practical ways to respond to that, too, um, not just pursuing all the cool stuff, but fighting through some of the tough stuff. And this is a film that addresses that and hits the head on and how to do that.
0: Would you say that this film is primarily for those who have a relationship with Christ? Yeah, I would.
2: I would. You know, uh, I know it's cool to want to say, you know, the film is for everybody. And well, but if there are people who don't have faith, then they don't have anything to question. Uh, They may not be able to identify with it. But I will say this. If there is an unbeliever or someone that that that, doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, wondering how a Christian does deal with, you know, questioning their faith and what it's all about, This would be a good picture of it because, like I said, tragedy strikes and if people have to really pray their way through it and battle through it. So I think it's mainly for the people who do have uh, faith and have struggled at times with like, God, what are you doing? Or, God, this really, really hurts. Um, I don't know if I can make it through. All the questions you have concerning faith, this is a, a film that aims to answer what the Bible says you should do about it, which is, you know, find it in God's word with how to deal with your doubts and your questions. Well, I, I think there, were, there will be probably inevitable
0: comparisons that are drawn between this film, other films you might be in, mm-hmm. and War Room, a lot of people mm-hmm. very familiar with your lead role in that particular film and it didn't do so bad at the box office either, right. <laughs> so a lot of people have seen it, they're familiar with that, that content, how, how do you see these films as being similar and maybe how do you see them
2: as being different? I think I see them similar in look and feel. Um, one of the things I love about what uh, Alex and Steven have done and the team you know, at the uh, um, Kendrick Brothers Productions is the films are beautiful. Um, they're really well shot. They're, they're very watchable. I mean, you go in and the quality is just, that's what they're being known for now. It's just great, great quality mm-hmm. content as well as a good story. And uh, this is what I feel like when I watch The Question of Faith, it, the, the look and feel has that same beauty. And that's that's really cool. That that that's the new standard now. That we're yeah. we're not just looking for a good story. We want some. Good quality, and, and it really looks good and feels good. It feels like a really good movie to watch, and you enjoy watching what you're seeing on screen. So it has that. And then it just tells a great story. And that's what War Room did as well. It just it has a great story, it's good writing. And A Question of Faith did that too by taking these three families and intertwining them in such a cool way. And so, and I mean, the only thing different is just the subject matter, you know, where one is dealing with prayer. And I mean, there's an element of prayer in here too, but this one is focusing more so um, on how to push through the pain and yep, uh, the yep. beauty that can come through succeeding. So, yeah, but it'll be, um, it'll be, it'll be great and as far as quality to watch, which I'm really proud to say, because sometimes they knock the films for a lack of quality. This, this won't get that knock.
0: <laughs> Good deal. T.C. Stallings here on The Intersection. You can find out more about him through the website tcstallings.com. The movie's site is aquestionoffaith.com. This is the Intersection Podcast with Ruth Kramer, executive producer of Mission Network News and anchor for the Mission Network News broadcast. Here Ruth talks about an important development in missions, mobile population groups, especially in the Middle East. This is Ruth Kramer now. I'm
3: going to say one of the areas is going to be um, a mobile population. That's going to be your refugees. Um, Your refugee community, not just the Syrian refugees, but in... The Middle East and North Africa, you've had a lot of difficulty uh, in those countries because of the extremism that is there. And you've had populations on the move mm-hmm. for years mm-hmm. and years and years. Um, and with the uh, the attention that's come with the Syrian refugee crisis, you know, those populations are now starting to find ways to move out of the areas that they've been stuck in, uh, as in camps yeah, and things yeah. like that. So you're seeing a, a movement into, like, Europe, and you're seeing it into North America. They're finding ways to get out of those places where they've been persecuted for their faith. Um, so the nations are coming to us, and we're not prepared. I, I, would, I would say fairly confidently that if you saw a Muslim or a Muslim moved into your neighborhood, you wouldn't even know how to strike up a conversation. Or it would mm. be scary to do that because they're different. And all you know is this one side of the picture. Um, what we're hearing from our partners on those kinds of things, you know, there there's there's there are so many ministries that are resourcing us to know how better to just be friends yeah. you know? yeah. um, and live Christ, not worry about the other stuff just yet, live Christ, um, is to not be afraid. Pray for opportunities, okay? Um, When you're saying dangerous areas, I'm not saying that they're dangerous. I'm just saying that the populations that have been displaced from some of these dangerous areas are coming to us Um, in an unprecedented way. We never, we wouldn't have been able to ordinarily get the gospel into these populations, but because they've been displaced, and now we can. Um, Middle East and North Africa is one of the most difficult areas because of the high concentration of extremism. So those countries in that area are are where you're seeing the most action happening? Mm. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's going to be places where you have a high concentration of the extremism.
0: Yeah, and 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 also compatible with that, you've you've got something taking place, the phenomenon. I think about Northern Iraq mm-hmm. and that being a Christian homeland for so many and you have hundreds of thousands of people that have left Iraq going to other nations Mm -hmm. and of course when you have people leaving Iraq they're going into Syria and Jordan Mm -hmm. and some of these other nations Mm -hmm. so that really places a great burden on those nations so like you're saying you've got all these mobile populations and I think one of the the neat things that we could see here within the next you know maybe year or so, maybe longer. But where you have the Iraqi homeland on the Nineveh Plains, for instance, mm-hmm. where you had so many Christians that have left, well they are enthusiastic about returning home. Not mm-hmm. quite yet. Yeah. But there's a there's a possibility. So it seems to me that while Europe and North America are receiving a number of refugees you still have people, you know, yep. there's something, as some guest of mine on the, said on the program not long ago, there's that concept of home, we want to, yeah.
3: you know, we want to be home. Well, their families have generations that live in these villages, yeah. you know, so you've got, you want to be back with the bones of your family, you know, and that's why they don't really want to leave, they want to go back home. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's why you've seen people in refugee camps for 15 years, 20 mm. years, you know, wow. and imagining what it's like to live temporarily, permanently. That's your new normal. You know, and that's why it's so interesting when you see ministries like Sat7 coming alongside and saying, you know what, we see another need here. This temporary situation with the refugee movement, the mobile population of these people groups, um, has another need besides the immediate food and water and shelter. We need to educate their kids because there's a whole generation that's lost their childhood and the opportunity to go to school. But that makes them really vulnerable to an, an extremist ideology when they can come alongside and say, hey, we can promise you the world. We'll make sure that you have money because you won't be able to earn it any other way. You know, so get in front of that before it becomes a problem. There are so many ministries now that are saying we see a felt need in education. So Tent Schools International, they used to be worldwide right. Christian schools. But now, they've got a whole different way of doing ministry, and they create tent schools in the refugee camps. Wow. And you've got Sat7 that's going to be launching the Sat7 Education Academy, Sat7 Academy. And they're going to be providing school on satellite television. Because even though you've got all these tents in a refugee camp... You've got satellite hookups.
0: Isn't that something?
3: They've <laughs> <laughs> got TVs the quite, quite
0: a mental picture
3: there. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many opportunities wow. for the body of Christ to make a difference in some of these really dark situations. Ruth Kramer here on The Intersection. Learn
0: more about Mission Network news by visiting the website mnnonline.org. This is The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Learn more through the website meetinghouseonline.info. There you'll find a link to the download center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you can listen to, download, or share full conversations with recent guests on The Intersection. You can also subscribe to The Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. Two blogs are accessible through that site. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. You can get connected to video content as well, including content from NRB 2017 in Orlando. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Well, Mark Gregston of Heartlight Ministries and Parenting Today's Teens visited with me recently at NRB 2017, sharing some words of encouragement for parents. Also in our conversation, he discussed the re-release of the book, When Your Teen is Struggling. From that conversation, this is Mark Gregston.
4: I want to parent a child just the way that God has parented me. And if he's never going (laughs) to leave me or forsake me, then I want a child to know that even in the mess, in the mess that that they may be causing now that doesn 't mean that I exclude the opportunity for consequences to correct their behavior. I still want that to happen. I want a child to know you do these things that are against the rules and the policies and the thoughts and our belief system and and all. you don 't get out of the consequence, but at the same time, I want a child to know that I am for them. I am moving from a teaching mode which includes punishment to a training mode which includes discipline. And discipline is helping a child get to where they want to go and keeping them from where they don't want to end up. So that what that means is I'm helping a child get to a better place where they want to be. So I engage with them. And so the rules are set up where they don't end up in a bad place. So it is all about them. It's not about me. It is during the earlier years. But it's not about me during the teen years. It's about my child and helping them get to some place so they're prepared to live in that world that they're going to live in in the days ahead.
0: So, so obviously, it's not a one size fits all thing. Are you saying right. that basically the teaching element is really on the forefront during the the early years? Then, yep. when you when a child moves into the teen years, then the parent also transitioned
4: and in, in, transitions into more of a training. Well mode. said. Well said. And and it's this. I'm going to sow seed the first 12 years. I'm going to cultivate that seed the next eight or nine years. And I mean, if you're, I mean, I I live out in the country. I know what farming is. If you overseed, you'll kill everything. I mean, there's a time that you've got to cultivate. You can't just keep planting seed, think that it's going to work. And so when you move into those years, it's not sharing just more information anymore, which works well in this perfect world of teaching. You start sharing wisdom. You transition your parenting style to accommodate your child and to accommodate your message so that you can continue to speak truth into the life of of your child, no matter what they go through. That's That's when the relationship becomes the most important.
0: Well, you wrote a book a number of years ago called When you, Your Teen is Struggling, and it is being re-released. Yeah. First of all, Mark, tell me about the concept of that particular book, what you wanted to get across.
4: Well, I think most people don't know what to do when their child is struggling, and so they don't seek to understand that, that their world is just different, and the way that this world has impacted our kids is far beyond what we've ever had to deal with. The second part of this is once you understand it, here's some things that you can do to further the relationship and dive deeper into your child to help them get to a better place. But I think it's this. it Understanding has an amazing way of, of challenging me to approach a situation differently. So when I understand what a child is going through, I will approach it differently than what I thought early on in their earlier years. It just means that I've got to shift my parenting style to not just providing and protecting and pleasing. But now I start moving to preparing my child for that next stage. To not say I'm going to be spending all my time raising my kids to live in a zoo, I'm going to be training them to survive in the jungle.
0: Mark Gregston from NRB 2017 here on The Intersection. The website address is parentingtodaysteens.org. Well, Mark Hancock joined me at the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at NRB in Orlando. He is the executive director of Trail Life USA, an organization for boys devoted to adventure and character building. In our conversation, he discussed some of the aspects of the organization. This is Mark Hancock now.
5: Trail Life USA has just completed our third year. We were launched in January 2014. We're a Christ-centered Adventure, character, and a leadership organization for boys from kindergarten through twelve years of age. We have troops that are started in churches across the United States. We're in approximately seven hundred churches in forty-eight states, and we just passed about twenty-six thousand members, coast to coast. We offer a robust, adventurous program uh, for young men. Uh, our leaders are uh, signed a statement of faith, and their background checked. And uh, and then our boys, uh, of course boys of any faith or no faith or all, all are welcome to join uh, because they will be
0: mentored and, and led by, by Christian men. Well, as you were describing what Trail Life does, people might say, well, this sounds somewhat familiar. It does to many, I would imagine, sound very much like what Boy Scouts of America used to be. And indeed, Trail Life came into existence In the aftermath of a period of time where the Boy Scouts of America actually departed from some of their deeply held print are some of the principles upon which they had been built for many many years
5: yeah and that's
0: that's basically where our launch was about three years ago the
5: boy scouts started to make some dramatic changes in the way that they uh, were uh, evaluating their membership standards and at that time there were a number there were many many churches that were that were sponsoring uh, boy scout troops that simply could not continue anymore so our grassroots movement we had about 300 volunteers nationwide uh, Fifty of us gathered in Louisville, Kentucky, in June of 2013. Most of us didn't know each other. There were uh, executive scouting leaders. There were uh, uh, f- family ministry leaders. There were media people there. Uh, all, all, all uh, a very wide, wide range of people we gathered in Louisville, Kentucky. And in a day and a half, we we pounded out the foundational doctrines, if you will, of what it was a tr- trail life would be. And we coalesced in four or five different groups that were looking at a vision. Uh, to replace Boy Scouts of America with a Christ-centered uh, vision. And then uh, about six months later, on January first, 2014, we launched as Trail Life USA with 500 troops in line in 42 different states. And, of course, we've grown since then to be in, in, in 48 states and, and, like I said, about 26,000
0: members. Well, the initial launch of Trail Life USA came after the Boy Scouts had changed its its principles with respect to, and I and I believe at the time it was to allow boys that uh, are homosexual boys right. to be part of the the scouting experience. Correct. correct? Well, homosexuals
5: have always been in scouting. Yeah. And, and and but the difference was is they they opened their membership to open and avow okay. homosexual boys. So at that point, what they were saying was that we are going to agree with that with that behavior, and we simply. Uh, could, couldn't do that. and We had uh, hundreds of churches across the United States that said that they couldn't do that. Certainly we want to minister to homosexual boys. We want to reach out. We have incredible compassion for boys who are confused about, about their sexual identity, but we, we're, we're, we are in no position to affirm that as a, as, a,
0: as a behavior. Has the Boy Scouts of America gone as far? I know there has been some discussion about the, um, the preconditions for, for leadership. Have they changed their leadership uh, criteria?
5: Yeah, in fact, it was just a year after their boy decision. It was, you know, the handwriting was on the wall. Yeah. You, you can't have an open and avowed homosexual boy who's 17 and then he turns 18 and you kick him out of the organization. Um, so a year later, they announced that they were, were, were open also to uh, open and avowed homosexual leaders. And at that time, of course, there are a number of other churches and organizations that said we, we, we simply can't put our, our boys at risk. And then just about uh, less than a month ago, they announced... Uh, that they were, they were open to transgendered boys. So now they're open to, to girls who identify as boys. And so the Boy Scouts has become uh, an organization that, that, that affirms also the behavior of girls who may confu- be confused about their, their identity.
0: Mark Hancock here on The Intersection. Learn more about the organization by going to traillifeusa.org. Well, the intersection continues now with Kay Horner, executive director of the Awakening America Alliance, part of the Freedom to Pray Coalition of prayer-related organizations, challenging a cellular service provider, charging people participating in prayer conference calls. From that conversation, here now is Kay Horner.
6: What we're doing, uh, Bob, is we're inviting people to visit the website, freedomtopray.org, and sign the petition to heighten awareness, and if we can have a 100,000 signatures in 30 days, we can take this to the White House and ask for a response. But more importantly than that, more than just the penny per minute that could tend to be what we would say is the small picture, even though we have about a 100 million prayer minutes logged in every month on freeconferencecall.com, is the bigger picture is that we see it as a strategic way of the enemy to try to silence the voice of prayer in the nation. Wow.
0: And you've got to see these things through spiritual eyes. And when you have how many prayer minutes per month? A hundred million prayer minutes per month. That's, and again, these are, are people, and and this is primarily with the free conference call. This co- is dot on the com free service. conference
6: call.com. What happened was, uh, just a few years ago, a, a faith-based marketplace minister A marketplace leader, CEO, David Erickson, had an inspiration that if he could provide free conference calling without having to pay the organization or the organizer's fees, that it would open up for more businesses and faith-based ministries to have a way to connect across the nation without having to pay for an airline ticket. You know what I'm saying? Yep, absolutely. And uh, what happened was, even without paying a lot of marketing, is that it raised up this huge network of prayer calls. The the intercessors and the people in the nation that had a heart for prayer and wanted to unite their voices in prayer realized that this was an opportunity that they could do at any time of the day without ever having to leave their home and without having to pay additional fees other than their monthly plan that they're already paying for their phone su- service. So throughout the nation, especially in this last year leading up to our election, we have had people that we have mobilized for prayer that are literally praying 24-7. And uh, that that adds up to a lot of minutes. Yeah. So,
0: so basically, when someone utilizes freeconferencecall.com to to facilitate these these calls. And again, you mentioned David Erickson. He's the, the founder of that organization. And he has seen this as really what you might call a kingdom building enterprise to allow right. people to come together to pray. However, when you have someone now that uses freeconferencecall.com, I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly, that call at least in the eyes of T-Mobile, falls outside of the normal calling plan. So those that are on these prayer calls, if they're with T-Mobile as their carriers, they're getting charged a penny a
6: minute. Exactly. Wow. And so what we're trying to do is get people to rally together, sign the petition at freedomtopray.org, and also share it on their social media. Hashtag keep prayer free. Uh, So you can put it on your Facebook and get your friends to share and let people know that we want to keep prayer free. It's about a freedom of religion when you really boil it down to it, uh, that people are being challenged if they want to express themselves in prayer and do it together across the denominational, socioeconomic, cultural lines and do it on a prayer call then T-Mobile is targeting those people and charging them extra fees on their phone plan.
0: Kay Horner here on The Intersection. The Freedom to Pray website is freedomtopray.org. The Awakening America website is awakeningamerica.us. Well, finally on this edition of the Intersection podcast, it's Nick Iker, Chief Content Officer for World News Group. During a recent visit to Montgomery, he discussed his organization's approach and philosophy in serving the Christian audience. From that conversation, this is Nick Iker. My
7: summary of what we do is is uh, we are we are trying to put out news content that helps believers to grow in their faith. Uh, we want to be able to, uh, to look at the world honestly, report the world honestly to people uh, to help encourage them and, and really so that they can see and have that same confidence that God is sovereign, he does work in the affairs of men, and uh, that's what world is all about. That's why we do what we do. That's why we uh, chose to be involved in the journalism field. Um, because, I I mean, really can think of no other calling for a Christian uh, than to be a journalist, because essentially what we're telling is the story of God's working in the world. And that's what's so fascinating about journalism, and really that's what gives us confidence in the truth. And it gives us the confidence to go out and tell it without fear or favor, and let the chips fall where they may, because we know that God orders all of that. We have areas uh, that, are, that are of particular interest and strength uh, for us, the things that, uh, that a lot of our, our members are, are most concerned about, probably the same as uh, the listeners to Faith Radio. Uh, we're interested in life. We're interested in education. We're interested in arts. We're interested in things like, like uh, compassionate alternatives to, to fighting poverty. We're interested in issues relating to the family. We are interested in origins, You know, with the the intelligent design debate, uh, creation and evolution, we're interested in that, and there's a lot of research uh, in that field. Uh, And we are highly interested in religious liberty. Uh, That is, that that not only in our country, and that's a big issue in our country, but it's a huge issue overseas. We see the difference between sort of a rule of law idea and, and, and a government that steps in to protect the freedoms that we have been given by God, not that government grants religious freedom, but that government protects the religious freedom that existed prior to any kind of uh, political state taking root, we always had religious liberty because God gave it to us. And so we see the difference between a government that has uh, in its organizing documents a commitment to religious liberty in the First Amendment Uh, and societies that don't and so it's not just religious liberty concerns in the US but religious liberty concerns all over the globe because it is a universal sort of human aspiration so those are those are our areas that 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 are the strongest to us but when you take that and you put all of that together there aren't very many issues outside those um, seven areas that I just enunciated. Um, we, but but beyond that, from our news coverage, we do pay very careful attention to what's going on in culture. Uh, we, you know, we review almost all of the movies, except for the things that are just completely uh, despicable. Um, we have a very high emphasis on music and the arts and books. Our uh, our readers, our members are huge. Uh, consumers of books, both in audio format and uh, and in the in the printed editions. So our people are highly interested in books. So we cover we cover the culture. We've got excellent um, uh, commentary from from really uh, uh, bright uh, editors. Um, and that's that would be, you know adding adding layers onto that those basic seven areas that we try to emphasize in our coverage.
0: Nick Iker here on the intersection. You can learn more through WNG.org or worldmag.com. Well, that just about wraps up this edition of the Intersection Podcast with highlights from the Meeting House program. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info. There you'll find a link to the download center. You could also subscribe to the Intersection Podcast through that site. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program on Faith Radio. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Video content is accessible also, including newly added content from the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me.
4: This has been the Intersection Podcast, and I'm Bob Crittenden.